Hey guys, it's Michelle Collins. Welcome to the Michelle Collins Show. It's my show and I'm thrilled you're here. We're going to be bringing you episodes every single week with different co-hosts, the same usual nonsense, off-the-cuff humor, news, advice, pop culture. I know it's a novel concept for a podcast, but what can I say? I'm an innovator. That's what I do. You'll be getting episodes every week, but if you want to hear daily episodes, you can head over to my Patreon. That's www.patreon.com slash mishcall, M-I-C-H-C-O-L-L. I have co-hosts every single day. It's funny. It's loose. It's authentic. I do weekly episodes with my mother. If you're curious as to how someone is made this way, I highly recommend tuning into those and some video content as well, which is exciting. I'm off to contour, but I want you to enjoy this episode. It's fabulous. We adore you and we look forward to seeing you over on the Patreon. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to the show, everybody. This is Midnight Snack. My name is Michelle Collins. Uh, it's another week in paradise, I guess you could say. I'm still here in Florence. I had something funny happen today, which I'll share. Funny not being the correct word. I'm here with Dan Acton, lovely, adorable Dan, who got a haircut and he looks great. Hi, Dan. Oh, thanks. Yeah, I got it uh, right before the huge snowstorm last week. Ah, it looks perfect. I would have thought you'd want to grow it out. A little extra layer. Uh, I'm noticing something interesting about what you're wearing because it sort of connects to one of the many stories I want to tell today. Um, 
But I'll say he's wearing plaid for those because, again, this is uh, <laughs> not visual. People are like, oh, why don't you release video of the podcast? And maybe we'll do that. I don't know, really, given that I pretty much always have makeup on for it. I'm like, we should. But yeah, why not? Right. I can just describe it as like, what do they call it? A Like black swatch tartan. There's this a yeah, word for what you're black, wearing. Black watch. Something like that. Black watch. watch. Something like that. Um, yeah. First and foremost, let me just say, had something so weird happen today because, you know, I do my radio show here in Italy in the afternoon. So I came back from Rome. I, I understand every word I say makes the listener progressively more and more infuriated. I know when I say it, I'm like, <laughs> I feel it from them. Like I <laughs> me saying the words train back from Rome just now. I was like, why does anybody give me the time of day? I would be like, no, fuck this so, bitch. Like, no, go on. That's what works. Get them riled up. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm the Joe Rogan of um, Italian train travel, basically. <laughs> people are going to, I'm trying to think of, people just cancel all their Nordstrom Rat credit cards. They're like, I'm sorry, we can't support this business anymore. No more home goods. Um, so I, but I came back and I took the train. I stayed at the Soho house, which is a whole long story because my first time around there, like was the price of a year at Harvard and like so many things went wrong. Like they put me in one room that had like no mirrors, which, okay, rude. <laughs> like, um, what? Okay. This was back in, in December. The, 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 what? Dra the Dracula room. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. It was Dracula themed. Yeah. And the bed had a lid on it. Can you imagine? Anyway. <laughs> Ben had a freaking lid on it. I'm like, what is oh, going on here? <laughs> no, there was just like a little bathroom mirror. And I was like, well, how can I do it? Just, I, I don't even know any man who'd want to stay in a room where like you can't really do your hair properly, whatever. That wasn't the biggest thing. Then, you know, the hair and the egg story. We, we talked about it. So I went back. I wasn't initially going to take those two days because I thought, how can I possibly show my face back there? You know what I mean? Because I knew everybody <laughs> right. there. And it left friendly. Like I wasn't, I don't think I was an asshole. I mean, I would just say like, Hey, there's a hair on my eggs. I wouldn't like, I wasn't kicking the door in, in my pajamas to show it to them. I was like, well, I don't want to eat that, you know? So I came back and they were very lovely and they put me in a really, uh, a really beautiful room. Actually the room that I did watch what happens on. So I had a big tub. What are you laughing about? I'm thinking about like, you come in and they're like, bring her the eggs. No hair. Yeah. <laughs> No, by the way, I ordered two meals and I was like Inspector Clouseau. Like I had like one of those yeah, magnifying right. things. I was like, what did they put in here? I'm trying to think nothing really. Well, you're going to laugh because as far as I know, nothing went wrong. However, you're going to love this. So this morning I ordered eggs Florentine. Whatever, you know, and I, I believe it was the great late Anthony Bourdain who said, really, you should never eat. Bernays or hollandaise sauce. Wasn't he the one? He was like, never touch it. A hundred percent. Yeah, because he oh, says what ends up happening is it, it's like hard to make. So it sits in the kitchen and it gets oh. really bad and like bacteria grows in it. It's just one of those things that you should avoid oh. like that and like the fish on Mondays thing. Those are like the two rules, oh, okay. we, Got it. you know, I, I remembered. But right. and as I'm here with like a huge sushi platter, I'm yep. like a no fish. <laughs> <laughs> I'm covered in sushi. People are eating it off of me. I'm like, well, anyway, that's why we don't release the video of the pod. So... <laughs> <laughs> no, so I ordered it and it showed up and it looked really nice. It actually, the food there is not expensive. Like I find room service in general. I don't know. For some reason in America, when you order room service, it they tack on like a $25 alone charge to schlep it up, which 
you know, it's like a such a splurge right. to get room service. You feel like Shahrazad. Like, yeah. You're like, okay. Yeah, right. There's the toll gates to like consider and everything on the way up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm thinking like, of Sultan of Brunch Nye. Like I was thinking, what's a funny pun? Yeah. <laughs> it's not bad. It's really not bad. That's that's good. That's pretty good. So ordered it, girl brought it up, and it was cheap, like the whole thing. And I gave a very generous tip with the nice tip. It was like 25 euros. That was nothing, I thought, for like room service. Cheap. Yeah, that's great. I eat it, I pack, do my makeup, go to the train. Now I had something happen on the on the way down to Rome, which has I don't think ever happened to me outside of taking the two three train in New York. <laughs> a rat stole my wallet. No, <laughs> my, my pizza slice. <laughs> <laughs> Can you believe? No, going down to this is I can't decide if this is like funny or boring, but I'm going to continue. So going down to Rome from Florence, um, I got there and my my train was at, let's say, like 1110 in the morning Mm -hmm. and I got to the train station and I see there's like two trains at 1110. So already my head is spinning. I'm like two trains, 1110. Which one? And neither one. The final destination is Rome. So I, I saw what I thought said Roma, you know, and I'm like pretty, I'm not an idiot. I'm dumb, but I'm not an idiot, I think. So I'm like, okay, platform 10. So then I go to get a sandwich. (laughs) Oh my God. There's this really beautiful little uh, coffee sandwich shop at the Florence train station. It looks like almost, it's very fancy. And I go in, there's only one other guy there. He's paying for his coffee. And I see this little sandwich. I'm like, perfect. I'm going to get this sandwich, get, you know, and go right to the train because I had maybe seven minutes. My fault. So I'm standing there and one by one, all of these people come in. It was like in the Truman show when he's trying to leave town and then all the cars show up at the same time. It was like, I was trying to in and out super fast, but there was sort of no clear place to order. And the next Uh, thing I know, I was just surrounded by people and this woman was helping everyone else. And at this point I'd been there for like five minutes. (laughs) And you know, when you've invested time, like you're like, I can't. Like, this is it. Like, if I don't get food at this place, I will not eat for, imagine, two whole hours. So I was like, I got to do it. (laughs) Right, right. So finally, I had a moment because this woman was like, whatever. And I was like, I need to order my Caprice sandwich. (laughs) Yeah. But then I gave her a tip because I was like, she probably fucking hates me. Anyway, got the sandwich (laughs) running for the train. I get there. There's this like hot train conductor. Can we talk about this thing with train conductors, the train people? I've noticed, and I feel like I'm going to say this and I'm going to hear from a lot of you, but I'm going to say it. When I take, let's say the Long Island Railroad or whatever, once in a blue moon, I feel like I've seen like very cute guys working for the Long Island Railroad. Am I right? Yes. Yes. You're right. You're right. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Because I'm like, like, and they always have like a little bit of an earring situation. There is a crossover with like <laughs> men who work at the Verizon store and like guys who work for the Long Island Railroad. No doubt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're very confident. They're going to take care of you. Like you're in yes. good hands. Yeah. They all work out for the most part. Like they're just, they're like friendly. They stop. I love a guy on the train there to check tickets. Like I love the, fl- it's like with the lady like, flirt with a waiter. It's like, yeah. hi, like, oh, you need my green pass? Like, let me get it out of here. <laughs> Pull it out one of time my I saw some, I, <laughs> One time I saw, like, somebody had left their iPhone somewhere, and I, <laughs> I picked it up and chased after the train guy just to have, like, something to talk about. <laughs> yeah. And he was, like, really pleased with me that I was so conscientious to bring it to him. So I bet he was. If you could only see Dan's face right now, I mean, definition of <laughs> grinning ear to ear. Yeah, I've never seen you beam this way. You are beaming, Dan Acton. 
<laughs> oh my god so wait so now i'm running and there's this like he's really cute like because he's like clean cut a lot of these italian guys they have all have soul patches that are like perfectly triangular like they like the most perfect uh, yeah. triangles i've ever seen grow from That's their lower chins i <laughs> it's not for me but you know but this guy was a like clean shaven yes yeah. yeah, stenciled Ugh. Very pickup art. You know what it is? It's pickup artist energy. It just hit me. That's what a lot of them have. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, so I go, um, hi. And of course, you know, I always do the business class because it's like 10 extra euros. Nobody does it. So you have the car to yourself. It's, I believe if you've not taken European train or whatever, it's worth every penny to upgrade to the business car. I totally agree. Like, uh, because you're right. It's not that expensive at all. And it's so much better. It feels great. Like, I guess if you take it every day, like, you don't want to spend it, but like, go for it. Oh, no. It's you go on and you really feel like 10 bucks. You feel really Mm. fancy. You're like, I'm in carriage two business (laughs) silenzio. That's the silent car, which I took today. (laughs) But anyway, so going. So I say to him and he's like hot and I stop and I'm like, hi, like, you know, uh, buongiorno. Um, Is this. And I showed him my ticket on my phone, okay? Now, to be fair, I yeah. probably was flustered because I'm, like, holding a bag full of sandwich. <laughs> I had, like, true running late for the train energy. I was crazy. And I was like, yeah. I'm in the first class car. And he went, um, down there. Like, he just went, yeah, 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 go. It's, like, two down. I went, thank you so okay. much. Walked down. Schlepp, I took a little bag with me, put my bag on. And I, there's not literally a soul on the train. But as I'm looking at this quote unquote business class car, I'm like, oh, this car kind of looks familiar to me. And it hits me. It's like the same car where the little boy in Lion was looking for Gurdu. <laughs> like, I'm like, what? <laughs> I'm like, Gurdu. Remember Lion? My favorite movie. Gurdu. Oh. I need to watch it again. I, I I need an emotional release. That is one of the few movies that and like Empire of the Sun always about like lost young boys. What is that? Maybe my maternal uh. instinct kicks in. <laughs> <laughs> no way. I, mean, I find them so incredibly sad. Anyway, so I'm now I'm on this train and I sit and I'm like suspicious. But now the train starts moving. Like I'm literally the little boy from life. Well, you're on. Yeah, yeah, you're stuck. I'm on it train is moving and I'm like hey and there's no signs there's not anything I'm like there's no Mm. way this is the right train and I sit and who comes walking down but you know I'm trying to think of who he looked like one of the oh shit my brain doesn't work fast enough like someone from instinct he had like boy band bit of a boy band kind of a thing going on comes over and I'm like is this the right train he was kind of being a dick but also nice he goes where are you going and I was like Rome he goes no he was like, this is not going to Rome. I was like, but I'm on it now. Like, where? I, well, where are we going? Where and are we going? Some, yeah. like, Filicani, like some fake place. I was like, okay, I don't know where that is. <laughs> I said, so, but I was like, really, I got, you know, I got scared. It's like in the amazing race when they fuck up. Like, you know, you get right. really <laughs> adrenalized. Like, oh my God. Right. And I was already heightened because on, again, on me, because that fucking bitch at the sandwich place, I like couldn't, ugh, the whole thing, yeah. it was just like dominoes, like everything led to one, the next <laughs> thing. So he was like, I, I felt like we were married for like three minutes because I was just like, well, what am I supposed to do? I have to be in Rome because I had to work that day, you know, all this stuff. And yeah. he was like, oh yeah, yeah. He was like, ma'am, just calm down, ma'am calm down and like but he was nice about it he wasn't he wasn't being a dick i swear he, he was like and i was you calm. And shakes you <laughs> <laughs> there's water in your face 
God. <laughs> no, because also it's so funny because like knowing myself pretty well, like, and I've really, um, I know you're not going to believe this listener and Dan, but I actually believe that I've like chilled out quite a bit. Like I, I feel. <laughs> Why is everybody dying. telling me to calm down? I have chilled out so much. It's just so crazy. Everybody's telling me to calm down. Just strip the headphones out of the thing. Hold on. I'm slapping my leg too hard. Oh my God. That is hysterical. No, but thinking about it, like five years ago, I like, I was, I literally was like, oh, this is just going to manifest itself into a panic attack. You know what I mean? Versus like me, like, I was like, okay, like I felt my heart racing. I was like, okay, it's scary. Like, where are we going? I'm on this train. I don't know where the fuck we're going. Right. So he goes, ma'am, but he was, I was like, oh, are we married? Because there was just a vibe of like, <laughs> you know, like me being like the hysterical woman and him just being like, baby, baby, just chill. Like, just chill. I'm going to work it out. You know? Oh, you know what the other problem was? I forgot to mention this. I had no service on my phone. So he kept uh, saying, let me see your ticket. Let me see your ticket. I actually, I'm not going to lie to you. Huh? I couldn't pull it up. And so it was like. I, you know, that was the thing that actually was making me crazy because I'm like, I can't yeah, even show is- it to you. It was very frustrating. Honestly, thinking about it, I actually think I held my shit together pretty well because I was just like, well, where are we going? Like, I was more like that. I wasn't shouting and sc- I, I wouldn't have gone viral. If you're thinking that I would have, if someone filmed me, it wouldn't have made a wave. Okay. okay. All right. Anyway. So, so then he says, get off at the next station and you can go back. Cause it luckily it was like a local train. So I could get off like maybe 10 minutes oh, away okay, okay. and turn right. around, and go back. I was like, okay. So I got, and I go, thank you. And I was very grateful to him. I was like, thank you. I really appreciate it. You know? And he was like, okay. And he walked away. I was like, goodbye. Like he was so cute. And then when I got off the train, he came up to me and he was like, there's a go to platform one. That's the next one back. And then you can get a train. Like that was nice of him. Oh, uh, that's nice. All right. So I'm in love. Um, so I got back <laughs> and then it, there was no problem. And of course the train I got on was like to die for like big seats. <laughs> I was right, like, right. this is phenomenal. You know, no girl do girl do free. There were no, I wasn't stuck looking out the window, ending up in a different language. Oh, line is the best. So wait, so went to Rome, did the thing. Okay. Okay, but while your shirt is reminding me, we're getting back to this. Um, My friend, Ben Wiseman, who actually, I'm going to give him a shout out on the air. He just redid our podcast art. I don't know if you guys got a chance to look on Uh, your apps. Perhaps if you're... It looks amazing. I love it. It looks really good. Isn't it good? Well, he is like an actual... I mean, he's paid by the top publications in the world to do their art. So it's like... The fact that I'm, I'm friendly with him and we have this hookup is just a gift. But I, I'm looking at it now. I really love it. Look at that. It's so fun. It's so good. Yeah, I love all the colors. Um, and everything I see that he does is actually really brilliant. Oh. <laughs> like it's no, fantastic. I'm not just saying it. Like he is. And I, I know yeah. you listen. So hi, Ben. Uh, you can follow <laughs> him on Instagram at BM Um Yeah, he does all the Frank Bruni columns for the New York Times. Yeah. And he's doing something huge for the New Yorker. He's just really brilliant and talented. Anyway, so to thank Ben, because he's also a dear friend, him and his partner, Brian, who I love. I wanted to get them something from Italy. And I'm still, you know, I love to shop. So in a way, it's like a gift for me, too, because I get to like go to friend right. stores and look for them. <laughs> So he mentioned that there was this pajama store. This is so funny. <laughs> I'm like just processing what I'm about to tell you and it's cracking me the fuck up. Anyway, there's this pajama store that was mentioned by some hipster in the New Yorker called, or no, New York Magazine, excuse me, called Shostel, I believe. Like Eli Roth's okay. Hostel. I have to just make sure I'm telling it right. 
or pronouncing it right. I believe that is the name. Uh, you're laughing at me. Wait. I have the bag right here. Hold on. Oh, it's literally right here. Yes. Shostal. S-C-H-O-S-T-A-L. Okay. And the bag tells me they were created in 1870 in Rome. And what's crazy, Ben sent it to me. And then uh, my friend Emily, who just separately said, oh my gosh, you have to go to the store if you're in Rome and buy pajamas. So I'm like, oh, I have right. to. Now Now yeah, it's like yeah. now this is a once in a lifetime PJ opportunity. You know, PJ Harvey opportunity. I got to go. <laughs> So I go to this place and now I like feel guilty that I didn't buy you a pair, but you're going to understand. I was so, you know what? I'll give yeah. you the, <laughs> no, don't be like that. Don't be like that. Wait, I'll, oh fuck. All right. Listen, I'll order a pair. I'll ship it to you. I can't win. I cannot <laughs> win. No, I'll bring you something back. Nice. You know, I do. Okay. So wait, I'll tell you why, because I was so overwhelmed. Another place I had no fucking service. So I couldn't like communicate with anyone. Anyway, I get there. It's um, this old shop, obviously. You walk in, it's like a library of PJs. Like the lighting is bad. It's like very fluorescent. And there's huh. just walls of folded pajamas in plastic bags. But it's just uh, like, it's okay. like in um Confederacy of Dunces. Does that even make sense, that reference? It just feels like <laughs> something from a different yeah. era. You know what I mean? Right, right, right. Yeah. And I go up to this lady. I'm going to say her name because I'm sorry. It's such a funny name. And it's so, again, like from a book. Her name is Shirley Brain. <laughs> I That's love her. <laughs> Shirley Brain. Okay. So Shirley Brain. And she, why do I know her full name? Because she asked me to follow her on Instagram like 10 times. But then she showed it to me and it's all pictures of her grandkids. And I'm like, hmm, we'll, we'll talk about it. Like, let's see how the PJs work out. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, God bless. But what? I was just picturing like all brain pictures. <laughs> like Mars Attacks. <laughs> Yeah, like, singing Goldfinger. Yeah, Shirley the, Brainsy. Indiana Jones. Yeah. So no, so I go and she's and and I say, listen, I want to buy two pairs, you know, and we're figuring their sizes out. And she just starts yanking all of these bags, and she's like, okay, after Christmas, uh, you know, after Christmas, we don't have a lot left, uh, but this is what we have. And she pulls out like, great. I mean, all these colors. I'll be honest, I didn't love. This is where we run into issues. Yeah. I didn't love a lot of what they had, I could, I could see like they had like a lot of Jersey, like gray Jersey, things like that. Yeah. Uh, I can, I'll actually it's text not... you photos. I wasn't super turned on. I'm being real. And actually maybe one of the right. reasons I didn't splurge on you. Cause you know, <laughs> is because I wasn't feeling them. I was kind of, I liked the ones yeah. I bought. So I just was like, all right, I wanted to be nice. So, but I got Brian exactly what you're wearing in this kind of plaid. Oh, really? <laughs> And then I was like, oh, let me try Because now I'm thinking, well, if these are once in a lifetime PJs, you know what I mean? Like, maybe I'll yeah. get a pair for myself. So for sure. I, she's like, oh, what size are you? I'm not, and I'm not going to say the numbers, but you guys, she goes, what size do you think you are? I'm like, mm, it's all European sizes. So I know, and I'll say my like American size here because it's no secret. I'm like, depending on the stretch factor. That's what I host. It's, I'm, that's my Joe Rogan show. It's called Stretch Factor, and it's just me squeezing into ASOS skinny jeans, seeing if they zip. Um, no, uh, you know, let's be real. Sixteen yeah. pants. You know, it depends. But with stretch, I can do well, also, fourteen. Now, yeah. Yeah. Well, also, what do you want to sleep in? Like, I don't know what my pajama size is. Well, but that's what I'm saying. And no, I mean, I like to get a big, nice, roomy pajama. Yeah. But what I didn't realize, so wait, so she's like, okay, try this one on. And I'm wearing this big sweater. She's like, try it on over the sweater. I was like, okay. Hey, hey. So that's what you're wearing. I tried this one on and I looked like just, I looked like Michael Clark Duncan. Like I looked like a big man. I was like, okay, this isn't, 
you know, even if you were, cause she kept saying you can wear this out, like wear jeans and I have other pajama what? shirts. They're very cute. No, like the okay. top, it's like a style. Okay. You can wear it out. Like a silk. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Gucci made yep. them recently. I only know that because I went to the outlets. So wait. So I try, I'm like, no, I can't, I'm sorry. I can't wear this. I look like, you know, I don't even yeah. can compare, but like a dad on Christmas morning, basically I go, no. <laughs> so I've been there now. There is a mound of open unfurled pajamas on the thing that she opened. And I feel so guilty because every time she's undoing it mm. and they're perfectly folded, they're like crisp. Yeah. And, and every time she's undoing it, part of me dies. Like for every right. pair she unfolds, right. I'm like passing out, you know, because yeah. I know like I'm not going to buy those. It's like, yeah, exactly. You know, and I kept apologizing, saying, I'm so sorry. And she was like, this is nothing. Eh? Come in Christmas time. Piles of pajamas. I was like, okay. She said it was not a big... Anyway. So then she whips out two pairs in my size. And this, when I say my size, please. She goes, this, this should be good. I don't even want to say it. It's, it's so funny. It's so funny. Like I can't basically after, okay. So she pulls out two blue and white striped ones, right? Cause the other ones okay. clearly they're like intended for men. And, um, these are like the most feminine ones. So I picked one out of pressure. I felt so pressured. Like she had yeah. been with me now for four. Well, yeah. Minutes. Cause they show you everything. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Everything. So I was like, okay, I got to buy a pair for me. So I got a pair of blue and white striped pajamas. Anyway, I go, I had drinks with someone. I go home to like the hotel and I tried them on. I'm going to just text you a picture, Dan. I mean, I, <laughs> first of all, the pants, when I undid the pants, yeah. they are, they were four to five feet wide. They were, <laughs> they are so big because she goes, yes, we have every size. Like as though I'm rolling in there. Listen, I'm not small, but I mean, this is, the, uh, <laughs> this is the Jared. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The new news didn't break. They still only know was fat. Jared Those ads just made it over there. Yeah. No, he, no, exactly. They were like, I mean, genuinely, I used to have a violin teacher named Mr. Perlucci who was shaped like Globy from Pee Wee's Playhouse. And he had a belt that wrapped around his stomach like the equator, you know? And I used to always look at him like skinny legs, skinny arms, but then like this bolder body. And I was like, these pants would fit Mr. Perlucci. Like they are huge. But they have, and there's no elastic. This is the part that bothered me. There's what? no elastic. There's just a string. So you have to tie it. Like it's like, Oh brother! You, I mean, anyway. So the, <laughs> and then the shirt. I gotta send you. So I put the whole getup on. I'm gonna text you now. Just hold on a minute. Um, give me a sec. So the shirt, actually, I the shirt's not bad. But Dan, you're not allowed to share this, okay? Meanwhile, I feel like you're gonna look at the pajamas and be like, mm, they're a perfect fit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm howling. I'm howling. Okay, wait. I'm sending them now. I try to make, they actually don't look bad. I try to make them look cute, but then I'm waiting for you to get them. I really okay. try to like, ma like have a look. Oh, the top looks cute. You look very, uh, being the Ricardos or whatever. Oh, that's cute. Actually. It's their retro yeah. feeling. Um, you know what? It's not they that. don't I would look never that. Wear I mean, these. you can't tell that they're, well, yeah, you'd never wear them, but like the top you could wear out. Sort of. Excuse me. So then it hit me that the top yeah. looks just like boy in the striped pajamas. Like I'm like, where's well, my freaking chain link fence? I mean, yeah, it's it <laughs> looks like what they made my people's wear in World War II. I'm like, I can't. I bought literal boy in the striped pajamas. Like I can't believe that I was tricked. 
into it by Shirley Brain. It's the craziest thing. I, I don't even know where no to begin. Str- <laughs> what? <laughs> what say? They are literal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's born in the strip pajamas. Wear that. <laughs> no, and it's even it's that or um, bananas in pajamas. It's which, by the way, there should be a mashup: <laughs> banana in the striped pajamas. There should be one. Someone should make that. Don't make it. But um, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, that's the look. <laughs> that's the look. So that's what I got, and I hope Ben and Brian like the ones I got them. But do you see now? I, I'm not actually happy I didn't buy them for you because figuring the size out. Yeah. I have a feeling like they're all fucked. Like I'm like, okay, who knows? Because yeah, I would never wear pajamas. Like, cause I, I like it in, I, I like it in theory. Like I would love to like, like I, like I would rather, it's like a tuxedo. Like everybody should have one, but like, are you really gonna, I would wear a tuxedo more often than I wear pajamas. You're going to like dress no. up like that to like, now I lay me down to sleep. Like <laughs> it's ridiculous. I know. I mean, it, it just feel, well, you know that um, last week at a restaurant, um, the waiter, my friends and I drank a lot. And then the waiter with permission allowed me to steal this thing, this candlestick holder with the handle. <laughs> that, go- that goes with it. It and goes with it. you need a big, it. long sleeping cap. We will a winky like, hat. Yeah. Yes. You look like Fred Mertz or something like <laughs> coming around in the middle of the night. <laughs> So because the listener can't see this, it is like a, it's heavy, by the way. It's this brass candlestick with a little thumb holder that you can like tiptoe around. It's like the only way to check for thieves. I feel like flashlights won't do it. You need this to like tiptoe, like who's out there, you know? Where's my cask of Amontillado (laughs) down here? So stupid. Please. <laughs> so in a way, I do feel like weirdly I am cosplaying. You're right. It is Ed Mertz. This is terrible. <laughs> what have I done? Oh, um, not even Ethel. I'm I'm such an Ethel though. Don't you think you know me? I I got a bit of Fred in me too. I'm a bit of both. Now that I think yeah. about it, I'm a little Fred, little F. Go back to uh, oh my God. The brain. Make I'm a real F head. I'm real F addict. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, fast forward 900 years later, I have my things. I have my pajamas. I got on the right train today. Um, Literally no drama on the train. That rhymes with throw mama from the train. I want everyone to notice. Anyway, (laughs) what else can we discuss? Um, I'm up to date on almost every television show and I feel really great about it. I really did my homework. I watched Euphoria, which is phenomenal this season. I don't know if you're watching. (gasps) It's very good. Really gives me hope for the future of Hollywood because all those kids are good. No, they're just great. You're like, wow. Are you watching uh, Gilded Age? No, that's the one thing I'm not. Is it good? I think it's good, but apparently everybody thinks it sucks. I don't know. The annoying thing was that it comes out on Mondays and I was like, work was over and it's like, okay, I'll turn it on. And then they make you wait until like 9 p.m. on Monday. Oh, that's annoying. Yeah, it's annoying. But uh, I think it's good. I don't know. Uh, If they were smart, they would put it out Saturday nights because think about it. If you're home Saturday night, the only thing to watch is Saturday Night Live. Fine. And that's on at 1130. There's nothing else. There's no appointment viewing Saturday. And if you miss it Saturday, no problem. It's streaming the next day. So then people have their Sunday show. Yeah. yeah. It's a very Sunday type show. It's very masterpiece theater. Uh, Yeah, I know. I love that Donna Murphy. I know she's in it. I saw her in um, Hello Dolly. She was twice, actually. She's phenomenal. Uh, We have a phenomenal guest on today. I'm very excited. We have Marilyn Rice Cub coming up. I adore her. I saw her do stand-up 
years ago in LA and I believe she just stood in front of the audience and ate a big old piece of pie and it was very funny it was just that was it (laughs) (laughs) and we're bringing all that energy and more to the show today um I knew there was something so listen I went last week and I'll make this quick uh I got an email and a dm for on Instagram okay from Luca he found me on Instagram may I drop dead saying we have your bag I was like all right so I I go. Here we go. It's starting. (laughs) Here we go. You know, there's a story. It's happening. I go. I buy cookies for them, which I actually was thinking in America. I bet if you brought food to a cop, they would like throw it out. But here, like everyone's like, thank you. Oh, my God. We love cookies. (laughs) They're like so excited. (laughs) Um, Well, because, you know, what do you mean? I'm not going to pay them for it. Like you have to. I had to be nice because, you know, whatever. It's nice. It's a nice gesture. Thank you. So I, I showed up with cookies and the guy at the front window where he, he's like the guy who buzzes you in. No one ever knows what I'm saying. They're always like, your bag was stolen. I'm like, no, it's not a long yeah. time ago. I'm picking it up. Fine. He goes, are you Michelle? Like so excited. And I go, yeah. He goes, one second. He puts his mask <laughs> on. This guy is so sweet. His name was Antonio. Comes out of the whole thing. He goes, right this way, Miss Collins. And he walks with me into the office of the captain of the Carabinieri here in Florence. This Ah. nice office. There's flags. I'm seeing all kinds of diplomas and certificates. And it was like being on an episode of The Office. Like it felt like I was on a British comedy, you know. (laughs) And so I'm standing there holding my cookies. (laughs) And this older man comes in, like white hair, tall. And he's like, si, si. He speaks no English. He's like, si, eh, borsa, si. And I'm like, "Mm mm-hmm. And he goes in his like big safe and he undoes this whole safe thing. Oh, no. It was a big safe with a big turn lock, you know, like in the Pink Panther, like one of those spinny things. But then it was locked with like a master lock with a key. I'm like, okay, well, what, which is it? Yeah, right. <laughs> pick a lane. But all right. Pick a lane safe. He goes in. He's, he's fiddling around. I don't know what to do. So I sit because it's like weird. I'm just standing there. I feel so uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah. It's like Tom Hanks in the terminal. I don't know. I'm just like, what do I do here? You know? So. I sit and then he's like, I, I don't know where it is. Give me a minute. He leaves. I'm like, oh, watch. They don't have it. I'll die. It turns out it's in a box on top of this huge. It's in the box on top of the safe. So he <laughs> grabs it's like a Quaker Oats box and he opens it up. And the craziest thing is this. There was the bag. The box was full of broken glass from the window of the car. Oh, come on. Well, yes. Okay. Well, okay. All right. Okay. I opened the bag tons of glass in the bag which i'm like how did the Mm -hmm. i guess when they smashed it because the bag was on the floor it got in and they just grabbed it and left and that's what happened yeah yeah but here's the twist so i open it up i didn't go through it because of the glass i felt like i can't you know i had no gloves or anything i needed to sort safely right so i have to sign the thing antonio and i take a selfie together it's like this whole moment (laughs) it's very nice I go home and I, I have to tell you, first of all, I'm, there's no way that that bag is coming back with me to America. Like I even looking at it. <laughs> uh, no, you know, it's just like, I, I honestly, I wasn't a huge fan of it. And I'm just like the bad juju of this bag. I can't bring it. Yeah. 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 With glass shards in it. Were, with your, glass- were your glasses still in mm-hmm. there? Was your stuff mm-hmm. still in there? Like your glasses? So here's the big twist. I open it up. Now, when uh, Luca called the first time I went and he said blue bag with AirPods, over the phone, he said, CC, he's like, AirPods, I had this power bank in it that was phenomenal. Yeah. Like, it was a really good one with my cord. 
I had a necklace in there that the thieves may have taken, which is a shame because it was really nice. Fake though, jokes on them, but I'm pissed. Anyway, so when I got the bag back, the phone charger wasn't in there. And I'm like, oh, the mm. cops definitely took it because they knew it was in there. <laughs> you know what I mean? So they robbed me and I was pissed because it's such a good one. It's like, it's thin. It has a lot of charge. You know, it was like a really nice one. So I'm like, ugh. But yeah, but does, so all I ended- the electricity different? No, but it's still char- you charge with a cord. Oh, the electricity is not oh, different. Oh, that thing. Yeah. Okay, okay. All One right. of the batteries. Exactly. Oh, I see. Um, anyway, make the story I feel like is more boring than I I set it up to be so exciting, and now I'm like, <laughs> well, that's our show. <laughs> no, but that's it. So the bag, all all that was in there were my glasses. My wallet was still in it with no cash, obviously, but my credit card's yeah. still in it. Oh, okay. Strange. Well, I canceled them, but still strange. And then. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, there was really nothing in it. And when, once I opened it, I was like, okay, because I got new glasses anyway. So I'm like, all right, I have my glasses back. Some yeah. old lip glosses. I'm like, you're telling me I was like killing myself. Because honestly, what I realized is the thing I wanted back the most was that fucking phone thing because I loved it. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, you know, I guess they deserve it. But then I started thinking, was there stuff in there? Oh, there was a Kinder Egg toy in there. It's a really long story. It was like an <laughs> antler, a deer with antlers. And I'm like, if these cops went through there, they're going to be like, what is this girl, a fucking idiot? Like, what is <laughs> in here but whatever <laughs> that's it got it back that was that dan always a pleasure to have you you know i adore you the most yeah i love you too love you follow dan at dan underscore act and i will get dan something nice from italy don't stress <laughs> and uh let's welcome our guest Um, in the time that we were trying to work all the um, tech things out uh, for this episode, um, your adorable dog got so bored he left. I just want you to know, I watched him. Get up. I was like, I don't blame him. I he was get like, it. Peace. I'm, <laughs> Little pause I'm came out up. of here. This I, I have to open. I'm a very annoying intro sayer because I really lay it on thick, but it's all authentic. I am such a fan of our guest today who, you know, just someone as a young comedian, I always said, Marilyn's doing it like she's got it. She's working with the right people. She's so funny. She has a brand new book out. You can pre-order it right now. It's called Fame Ish genius title by the way my life at the edge of stardom you can pre-order now it's out in may follow her on instagram at marilyn rice cub on twitter marilyn rice cub and you're going on tour yes oh my god that's why i was the hold up hopping on here because i was with i was with the team it was very exciting planning as a team go on well you know of sorts (laughs) no it's like um publicist and the and my booking, who books my stand-up, and then the publisher of the book, because we're trying mm-hmm. to organize. I mean, it's all, my dog's going to leave all over again, but it's about. The dog walked back in left. <laughs> I saw it. You're not seeing it behind you. Still bored. <laughs> Peace out. Still but it's bored. like the logistics. It's weird because it's kind of my nightmare, but it's also very exciting when you're like, oh, this is the behind the scenes stuff that you have to pay attention to, to make sure it's like getting the books to the comedy club so I can organize, like, come to my show, buy a book, you know, but it has to be done in conjunction with all of them. Cause I don't know how to do that. Unless I'm like well, physically have a garage full of books and I'm, you know, but it's, we're, we're trying to do it like buy a ticket, get a book. So I sign the book and they get sent to the club, but it's like, it's a whole thing. 
It actually That's exciting. I, I'm interested in this only because so I'm an idiot. Like I just want you to know at the top. I'm like smart but dumb. Go and on. Things that you're Me describing, too. My soul sister. You know what I mean? Soul sister, two Cancerians. Things that you're describing stress me out so much that so much. even I'm going to give you credit. The idea of writing a book, of having the gumption to sit down. I, and just I think start you, I would feel like you would do it. it easy. You say that, but it's I mean, not I want to talk about your book, but I think for me, it's like sitting down and then not having an audience waiting there because we're so let me talk to you about stage. something. Okay, you're saying the magic stuff because I'm going to inspire you to write a book because here's how I did it. Uh, My good friend, Chelsea Mitchell, she started out by a few years back. Our relationship was really sweet. She saw me at a comedy club. If you ever need help, all of a sudden I was like, oh, I need help with something. Like, can you help me do merch for this? It was like a total, um, not transactional, but we were doing something very much like, can you help me do this thing online? And then over time, she started helping me creatively, the more we got to know each other because, and that's why she approached me in the first place, because she liked my comedy. So we start doing a podcast now originally, and I'm going to come out with a new podcast. There's, there's always a podcast on the, on the line, but I did a podcast a couple years ago with my friend, Chelsea. She helped me, um, And I wanted to do it by myself because I thought, I know me, I'm going to be stressed out about booking. And I also want to use that model where it's me talking and then you know what you're going to get if you come to see me in person. And so the podcast is that thing that's on the internet that bridges the gap of people that want to come see you in person. And I, anyway, so I start doing the solo podcasts and I'm loosely prepping because I'm not. I don't have the capacity to just talk for four hours. So in my mind, I'm going, okay, what are these stories that I know are going to give me enough juice that I'm going to keep talking? And then I would surprise myself and be like, oh, I just told that story for 25 minutes or whatever. Hmm. Like, could be anything from from the personal epiphany, emotional, real stories to I went on a bike ride with my son and we saw, you know, I saw raccoons fucking on a roof and I inadvertently called these other kids. Well, first of all, I saw the raccoons and there were these kids I didn't know on bikes. And I'm like, you guys come over. The raccoons are right here and we're not bothering them. Like they don't even see us. And then by the time they rode their bikes over, they were full on fornicating. And I had called six kids I didn't know to watch but they weren't when I first saw them. They just, it's the reason yeah, why course. they were so close is because they were on their sex hormones. I was like, why aren't those, why aren't they running away? It's because they were yeah. in, so into each other that they didn't notice the humans. So anyway, wait, wait, and a then, lesson in nature. You're like actually teaching the local children <laughs> a little something about these little garbage animals that I love. And I just want to say that I have loved raccoons way before they became Instagram famous. Oh, like I've you, been on the raccoon trail uh, even possums sometimes took me a, a little longer with possums. Po- possums. Possums sometimes can be very funny. Now, I don't even want to know. I don't even want to say this out loud, but I wonder if there's video because if you would have seen your friends, the raccoons in the position, <laughs> the doggy style position, it was disturbing <laughs> and adorable all at once. It was, it was I can see that. the shape of their bodies and the position just on top of a roof. They, they fa- that was their spot yeah, that they found to be undisturbed. <laughs> It's a good spot. <laughs> oh. well, think about it. I mean, I don't understand, and I want to go back because I, I'm. I love the story. Let me just say one last thing about raccoons. Yes, or moving on. 
And I feel like you and I are very similar. Why is it that they can only be tamed in Japan and Russia? How come every pet raccoon account that comes up on my Instagram has either Russian writing or Japanese writing? What is that? Why are they so advanced? <laughs> is that advanced? I'm asking. As a people? I think. I think yes, they just have like a train patience. Yeah, you're right. It might be an advance. They have. Or, or I feel like I've seen pets. a Russian lady who owns a wildcat as well. Like yes, so those huge ones. Yeah, they figured it out. Okay, so you're telling the raccoon story. I'm so sorry. I just got to. So no, I, I sidetracked on purpose, and I was hoping you'd yeah. be interested. I was taking <laughs> so a chance. So I was like, she's gonna like this story. Um, <laughs> so I was speaking mm. these stories out loud as a performer, as you do. And Chelsea was sort of my sounding board, my catalyst. I knew that I had a fan in her. I knew I had a kindred spirit that I wasn't just speaking in sometimes how you do, you know, or, or you put something on the internet and you get the comments afterwards, but that doesn't fuel necessarily the performance. And that's, that's what made me want to tell you this story as a performer, the, which is what I am. I used that to write the book and I didn't know all these years a way to do that. And it also is like right timing when you're able to like focus on it. But I can tell you yeah. specifically when I said the, uh, I would say two or three of these solo podcasts helped me to launch chapters in the book. And wow. Chelsea, she said, and I don't, I can't remember why she took this upon herself. I think cause we were just working on stuff creatively, you know, and maybe she was like, I think there's an idea here. She said, I transcribed this podcast and she goes, I think you should read it. I think it's the chapter of a book. And I said, really? And you know, it, it's a little bit cringy because sometimes the way you talk and then you see the transcription and you're like, kill me. I mean, I just did it. It's going, I mean, and like, and it's just, you want to, you want to die yes. when you see the way you, but in between that bad grammar or whatever is juicy stuff that I'm performing because I'm speaking. So I'm not overthinking it. I'm not all the times in the past when I've tried to write, I'm sitting with the computer and I go off and do another thing or I fall exactly. asleep or I, it's not my authentic voice because what I, what I do primarily is, is perform. So I took mm -hmm. that transcription and then went back into that and started writing and fleshing it out and taking out the stuff that was too, um, much a spoken word. And mm -hmm. slowly over time, I got away from, I think there was one other chapter that was magical that I said out loud to her as we sat there with my iPhone recording it, where I told her about working at Denny's and I was in the moment trying to make her laugh. And there's a whole chapter on that. And that was, you know, it's a little bit ethereal in terms of how you grab the material. Cause then the next time I was like, let me tell you a story. It was like, what? you know, it felt too staged, <laughs> but by that point in the process, dummy. <laughs> Hello. but by that time in the process, uh -huh. I was, I was used to, it sort of clued me into shifting it to standing on stage for standup similar, but different because, you know, mm. for standup, obviously you're under the gun. You've got to grab people's attention. You're trying to be as short as, and concise. It's taking the kernel of that, putting it on the page and then like, then realizing, oh, I can write two more paragraphs describing yes, this that out. I wouldn't do on stage. And that's, I, I don't know. My instinct is that you would 
I mean, you, you, that's, you, you tell story. You like to tell stories. I do. Well, you know, it's funny. You, you are inspiring me because my whole thing is that, and this is a, an interview with you, but my brain, when it comes to writing, because I blogged for so many years, it was blogging was like getting an adrenaline shot to the neck. Cause you knew the moment this thing was done, it wasn't a way like performing online. Like you would write this thing and immediately put it online and immediately get the feedback, the shares, the comments, it, you know, it's like anything Twitter or Instagram that rush. And for me, like, if I don't get the rush, then I don't even know. It's it, like you said, it's like, mm. what am I plucking things out of thin air? So you have a point. I've always told myself, well, I don't want to transcribe it that way because I like to write. But the truth is, I'm 40 years old. It hasn't happened. So I think that you actually have. And I will thank you on the first page of my book, Marilyn. Just yes. Page one. Well, but- I like that you brought age into it because, yeah, it took me this long to start as well. I know, um, but what is that? Is that just like being young? And it's funny because to me, like 35 is young. I know people don't maybe younger don't think that, but yeah. Do you think it's one of those things where you just take time for granted and it's like, well, I'll do it another time. And then you just all of a sudden realize, okay, it has to happen now. Oh, me personally, I don't think I was developed enough as a person. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there are uh-huh. so many things That's where funny. it's like, yeah. I look back on myself in my 20s and I was so lucky. And when you gave me that very nice intro, I, I really was lucky to be right place, right time. Very talented. I'll give myself props. But no, I I, I um, happened into a great group of people that fed my soul artistically. And I was lucky enough on the timing of that. But I can remember in my 20s, other friends of mine, it was, you know, it was this time of like, you should write a sketch packet or even coming up with sketch characters. I was like, I'm stressed. Like I can only do what I can do in this very particular way because it's inherently tied to who I am as a person. I don't have the capacity. I just wasn't, I was socially awkward. I was imploding. I I was a true artist in that sense that it's, I couldn't, I didn't have the skill set. I wasn't a good student. I wasn't, I didn't understand my own mind. And I'm, I'm only just now coming upon that. Mm. And like I said, in conjunction with years and years of performing under my belt that I'm like, Oh, that's what I talk like. That's what I'm interested in. I didn't know at the time I was just, you know, my life experience and my experience with other people. I was just like, I, where am I? What? Yeah. Is this a shot? Okay. Let, you know, I didn't know. <laughs> this character you're creating is I'm dying here. Like people can't, I'm every time you do this character, I'm like passing out your face. It's so hilarious. You're like, why do you hate yourself? Why is your inner voice? No, well, that's She's never Canadian. Like, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm really bonding with you internally. I'm just like listening. I feel like I'm at a Ted talk just for me and our listeners. Because I wonder too, if like comedy keeps people immature, like I really feel for me, I mean, I know that I had hundred percent arrested development with that. I can call it out. No, I know that I have, uh, you know, it's no really. And I still have a bit of that. Like I still will laugh from like a cartoon or, you know what I mean? Things like that, like crack me up childish things, but same kind of thing where even into my late twenties, I was not like a full woman. I mean, I was doing womanly things. Don't get me wrong, but I, it's one, I don't know if that's, do you think it's insecurity? I'm trying to figure out, I mean, this isn't a therapy session for either of us, but I'm wonder why maybe specifically in comedy, at least maybe our experiences kept us a bit young and like a bit childish, maybe because that's the nature of being funny and making people laugh. I don't know. I think at the time you think, Oh, I'm just 
and and there is, of course, you're you're making not traditional decisions, and you're like, oh, I'm not gonna, you know, just get married and have kids and move to the suburbs. I'm going to be in the city and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And you have all these experiences because you're drawn to having those, but looking back on it. Yeah. It's like, I don't want to, I didn't want to grow up. I didn't. And and I do think there's an arrested development, I guess, just in, just in my own personal upbringing. I wasn't, I wasn't ready to be an adult, you know, and I can see that now. Whereas at the time I probably thought, oh, I'm making different choices. It's like, no, you're just choosing to not mature quite yet. And I think I just needed experiences. Sounds like so cliche, but I, but I really, it took me that long to figure it out. And I I wish it wasn't the case. You know, I wish I was like, knew better when I was, 16 or 20 or 25 or 35, but I didn't. (laughs) I know, but that's what makes you so perfect and special. And like everything happens when it's supposed to happen. You know, when, when, uh, how old is your son? He's 13. Oh, he's a grown boy already. He's a grown boy. I know that's why I, we talked so long ago. I remember when I was in New York doing my serious tour Yeah, and you were just my fave. Oh, that's so nice. Thank you. Uh, well, you know, I'm obsessed with you. I remember, listen, let's talk a bit about you. This is, by the way, can I pay you a compliment to show how much I adore you? I feel like this is the most professional interview I've ever done on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> like, actually, I'm like, oh my God, I'm an interviewer. Usually I'm like, what are you up to? What's happening? Like, it's such bullshit. And I'm like, now, what childhood event led you to be this woman? Uh... <laughs> like, I'm so serious. <laughs> Where did you grow up? What city are, are you from? Well... I'm from Trenton, Uh Michigan, south of Detroit. I was going to ask you a couple minutes ago, speaking of interviewing, how did you get into comedy? Well, I mean, and actually, well, let's trade those stories. I'll only tell my short version if you tell yours. Um, I got into comedy. I went to Barnard College in New York. And actually, Chelsea Peretti, who I'm sure you know, was in the improv group at Barnard. And she really was the one who was like, come be in the improv group. So I got in and then was doing improv at Columbia because it was like a, you know, group thing. And then we, I was doing standup really. She was the one who really got me on stage. I have to give her full credit. Um, and then I just started performing and I worked at VH1 and, you know, it started kind of slow doing these terrible, horrible talking head shows where like they never, I was never brought in to be the funny one. I was always brought in to be like, have you guys seen this? Like my lines, were, they would never let me be funny. It was always like, oh, I'm home the other night. And then they would cut to like Paul Shear or one of, you know, people totally. I love. But I was You'd leave like, like, yeah, they're not going to use any of my funny things. They just kept no. like th- throwing you the question. Like, can you say it in this way? Can you give us a reaction? Exactly. <laughs> like, exactly. Like, and they were like, well, she's down the hall. Meanwhile, yeah. I'm wearing like the, you know, Missy Elliott garbage bag dress. I'm like, I didn't know I was going to be on TV today. Like, can you give me a minute to like adjust my look? Um, but also it's funny because I wasn't. I think for me, like now I'm confident and I know I'm funny and I know my voice and I I have it down. Like now I don't question. But then I was so intimidated by the TV cameras. I was like, oh, and especially because I worked with, I was like, I can't fuck this up. Like I really have to be good. And I was so tight. Like I wouldn't let myself Mm. be, I I just didn't feel natural to me at the time. So it sort of doesn't surprise me. Um, But what was one of your first things that you did? Because I obviously know you from Mr. Show, which for me was a very formative or working with David Cross was a very formative show to watch. 
Yes. And that was definitely one of my first things. And I, and I yeah. really, I relate to what you're saying about being tight and being, it's, it's, it's a fear. And, yeah. it, you know, for better or for worse, I'm doing more stand up now than ever. I said this on stage, which is just, it's not even a really a joke for the audience. I mean, they get it, but I'm like, Oh, I, I, I was just realizing in the moment, I was an actor who still did stand up and now I'm a stand up who sometimes acts. I'm like, mm, congratulations. <laughs> I'm going in the wrong direction. But having said that, like I'm, I'm happier than ever. And I'm, this is exactly where I, so I shouldn't be like self deprecating in that direction. Right. But, um, because truly it's, it, I feel like now I know my voice more than ever. I know the direction I want to go in. And it's exciting, you know, like writing the book, it's like, oh, that's my voice. And this is how I can explore that and play around with that. And on stage, more clear than ever. But back then in the Mr. Show days, I was coming straight out of art school. And I read about this in the book a little bit, one of my earlier performances. Oh, I do also mention in the book that I would just use scraps of paper with phrases and stuff that I would, bits that I would hear other people talk about because I was so, I wasn't able to talk about my own opinions or beliefs. I didn't know myself well enough, but I also had a compulsion to perform. So I would put these like abstract bits and pieces together and I was going to art school and doing performance art. And then I was making fun of performance art. And so those were some of my first uh, comedic performances. And I just was lucky enough to, I was finishing school in San Francisco and then I came to LA to do live shows with, um, and David Cross was one of those people that ended up being in this group. David and um, Bob Odenkirk, that, those were those first years where they started working together and they were doing these live shows and like Jack Black and Kyle Gass were there, you know. All these people came through, like Will Ferrell. I remember he was at a few of the shows and um, it was a ton of people and it was the first time in my life where I thought, oh, these are my people. This, this is yeah. what, uh, you know, so just going in that direction, but in no way was I traditionally approaching it when I was younger. I didn't have the wherewithal and I didn't have the, um, like I just podcasted with a friend of mine and he loves Rodney Dangerfield. And I'm like, now at this point in my life, I can start to appreciate that. But I'm just like, ew, like, what does that have to do with me? You know, like the idea of a yeah. guy on stage telling his, telling their jokes. So the way that I approached the whole thing was like, was not, you know, where it came from. It was very much female, very alternative comedy, very, mm. um, more where comedy is today, where there, I think there's 100%. different kinds of voices that, it, it didn't start out that way. Even, you know, female comedians, I, I couldn't relate to them because I didn't think I was allowed to stand on stage and speak into a mic. I didn't believe that I had something to say. And now it's weird that I'm doing this so later in life because now it's like, you can't shut me up. I'm like, yeah, I have something else yeah. to say. You know, it's like, <laughs> I'm it's like realizing like, <laughs> oh, I actually have a lot of stuff I want to say. It just took me years and years to figure out mm. what that is. What? The Sandman from the Apollo comes, sweeps you off. You know that guy in the wig with the broom <laughs> comes and just sweeps people off? One of my favorite people in the world. It's funny you're talking about the whole idea of comedy clubs because I, 
I sometimes regret for my career, right? Not, I also hate comedy clubs. Like I just, to me, and funny enough, I grew up with parents who showed me George Carlin, Rodney, Eddie Murphy and um, Ellen. We used to watch all of the eighties comedians, huge. So I grew up in, my dad used to do stand up actually. So I come from funny people, but he was like um, very waiting for Guffman, Eugene Levy, like doing Mm -hmm. old age homes full of old Jewish people. And telling old Yiddish jokes. So it wasn't necessarily like, you know, your kind of comedy seller material. But there was just an energy for me. And maybe it's because we're both Cancerians. We feel the room. We feel the vibe. Where I would think, and maybe not anymore, but at least definitely 15 years ago, I'm not hot enough for the men to respect me. Mm. Right? Meaning like they're not going to listen because they don't want to fuck me. And then the women are like, who's this like tall girl? You know, I'm not that kind of like, so uh, my boyfriend was taking me from behind, whatever those jokes are. That, right. And I'm not saying this about all female comics at all. In my mind, I'm saying for me, I was like, that's not what I do. I'm more of a storyteller, more of a Joe's pub, UCB kind of vibe, like not that. And I had it in my head where I was like, I could never do comedy clubs. And to this day, I've never toured. I've never done the comedy seller because I think that deep down there is this fear of maybe not as much, but I, it's definitely like, mm, I don't want to face like that public. You know, I want to face the people who like know me, maybe they listen to the show or whatever. And deep down, I think that's why I don't know if big success can come unless you're willing to kind of put yourself in those other situations, which are uncomfortable, but then can lead to big things. Well, I think you're touching on something important and I hate to take it. I hate, I hate to take it there, but mm. you know, when you're describing, I'm not this type of woman and not that type, it's hard to, I mean, I love Mrs. Maisel, but like that shit, it Come doesn't on. work like that where you're just, you know, we use the archetype of that show. She, you know, everyone's just like, wow, we've never seen anything like you. And she just is says things in her own way. I I think it's for women that cliche is because it's true is that there is no, I don't, I'm not, you know, Phyllis Diller did a very specific thing where she was self-deprecating. She was over the top to fit into that man's world mold comedy in general is not women talking into a mic it's and and you're not wrong in feeling we i don't they don't want to see this still to this day people you know don't really want to look to women as the authority no. on anything no. so there's so much stacked against that in general why would you want to put yourself through that it's so much work but, you know, yeah. then the other and part we, of that is know. like yeah. comedy clubs are comedy clubs and just do it anyway. But but there's something very real that's not just your personal, you know, hill to climb. It's the fact mm-hmm. that the world doesn't really want to hear what women have to say. Some people do. And, you know, and usually my who's in my audience when I have a show, women and gay men usually are gays in general, like yes. not to sound so flip when I say that women and gays, that's the show I want to pitch. It's just called women and the gays. Best. And that's it. And, and you know, and as I say that, thing. I don't even I don't want to even perpetuate that because I do think things have changed so much and they will continue to change for the better. I'm just yeah. saying that that's a real thing that you have to work through as a woman. For sure. I think. Women and gays, and listen, I love that I show. Have women I'm, and gays, I want to be there it. all night. 
we're literally making the show. You don't know that this is actually a pitch meeting for me. I'm like, okay, at the end of this, I'm having my team. My team is like two hamsters. I'm like, my team's going to call you. Um, <laughs> no, but um, what did I want to say? I, what I wanted to say is my respect, though, for for girls, women who have gone through that, who have done the clubs and they're part of that boys club and they've gone on the road and stayed in shitty hotels. Whether I listen to the material or not, doesn't even have anything to do with it. To me, I'm like, no, you're bad. Like that's real. Like you deserve everything that comes your way because it's not a life that I would want for myself. Like I want a tour, but like theaters, you know what I mean? I want to stay in like a nice, uh, a nice Ramada yeah. Inn. You get it. I, I don't know. I'm just <laughs> the nicest Ramada Inn available. The nice. It's like less than five miles away from the airport. Like something that has class. I just, I see this for myself hopefully one day, but you know, another thing you said, which is something I'm grappling with at the moment is that a lot of my humor is self-deprecating. And I've really worked on it, meaning I've worked to be less self-deprecating because I think I used to be like really kind of go off, right? And I find that now people like who listen to this or the radio show or even new people I meet, they're like, you're so hard on yourself. You're so hard on yourself. And I'm like, well, I'm being funny. Like, listen, this is my way of of joking. And it's been an adjustment for me to try to be less self-deprecating, but also it kind of bothers me. Like, well, let me express myself the way that I want. I, you know... I find that if we're going to control even mm-hmm. like the comedic voices who and those voices in all women's heads, I don't care who you are, then how are normal non-performers going to have a place to turn to feel like, well, I'm not alone in right. hating myself. And, you know, it's like important. everyone has those yeah. feelings. Yeah. So I just feel like we're almost like censoring self-deprecation. I get the idea behind it and I really respect it and believe in it. But it's also like we can't get rid of it altogether. I just want to say that. Uh, no, I agree with you because it's, we need to, because you want other people to see themselves and what you're doing and you don't want to censor yourself or change yourself or be like, oh, I'm going to work on being confident when you're like, no, but this is the thing I want to say for a reason. Um, and I love that. That's my favorite stuff. And when I first started doing the road, um, I remember it was when 24 was on the air, which is a drama Let's just say that we it's remember. a drama. It's um, a hit. But mm-hmm. the people that were coming out and buying tickets, it was on the heels of that show. So really, they weren't comedy fans or comedy fans of mine. They were 24 Chloe O'Brien big hit television show fans. And I remember my comedy different now. It will always be there. My comedy at the time, what I thought was funny my version of it is what you're talking about is the so self-deprecating. Like my inner voice that I was trying to put on stage was like, hi guys. Like, (laughs) like I hate myself. And you know, when I would launch right into my comedy in front of these audiences and it's different now it's changing. It's, it's morphing. But back then when they, they were, they were just like, Where's Jack Bauer? Like, we just want to see Chloe O'Brien. This is so exciting. And then they see this woman going, <laughs> almost didn't make it out of my hotel room. You know what I mean? Like, ugh. I mean, I'm on the floor. I had to I'm like, like I had to wash today. Like, I had to wash myself. It's so hard. <laughs> like, that's how I feel on the daily basis, on a moment to moment basis. Like, my inner, my real inner shit is like, I don't know. I worked on how to open my eyes in the morning and be like, it's okay. It's okay. You can, 
you can get up today. You know, like that's the inner work I did. It just so happened that I was lucky enough to be on a TV show. But Mm -hmm. like those little moments, that's the shit that I like. Like when, you know, when you open your eyes and you're like, what is the point on a good day? I'm saying, what is the point? (laughs) That's a good day. Yeah, yeah. Because there's a little anger there. There's a little energy behind it. On a bad day, it's like, or on a regular day, it's like, what? wait, why? Like, why am I even? But, you know, grown up, things are a lot better. I like life. I like myself. I I open my eyes. I get out of bed. But again, that's what I was bringing to the comedy club because that's what I like. That's, That's what interested me. And they were going... You're a TV star. And I would watch their faces go like, no, no. Like, we don't accept that from you. So I developed this persona of like, hey, guys, where's my Jack Bauer for the night? I'll be your Chloe O'Brien because that's what they – I needed to bridge the gap between what they saw and what was going on with me. So that was fun. It was just not what I was expecting to do. Um, but I feel I like guess- you just did an impression of me. Who's my Jack Bauer? That's something I would do. Who's my Jack Bauer tonight? I'm like, wait, is that not funny? Is that you want to go fight terrorism um, together? But I, yeah. but I did develop, you know, five to ten to fifteen minutes of material because that's what they were jacked up about. You know, yeah, that's what they wanted um, to see. You were basically performing at Comic Con every night. Is what it sounds like. You had those. It was when that level of fandom frightens me for anything. I hope I have it one day, but. Um, I want to have an army that attacks my enemies. Like that's my dream. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. There's, there's a lot when you go to Comic-Con, I'm like, Oh fuck. It, it, it's scary. Like you kind of look around you're like, Oh, these people, like when they wake up in the morning, they're like, I'm going to make a big foam head today. Like that's what they think. Well, we're like, what's the point? Like, <laughs> go I'm going to make foam a Michael's. foam head today, which is kind of a like, great way to deal, go through life. It's amazing. I'm jealous. I wish I had yeah. that. I wish I had a passion like that where I'm, you know, mine is like discount shopping because I'm a Jewish, but it's like, you know, there should just be, I mean, listen, we're, you're doing great. And now you have the book, but the book, now I don't mean to get star funkery, Mary Lynn, because I know Let's you're better than that. Let's get into it. But I'm not. I'm a piece of shit. Okay. See, this is what I do. <laughs> By the way, can, can I say before, before we go into the star fucker stuff, I saw you perform and I feel like I must have told you this when I uh, talked to you at Sirius. We did a stand-up show together at Tiger Lily in LA. Yeah, we did. It was when I really was young. And it's funny because as you're talking about what you used to be like, when I think back to that show, I mean, I am legitimately one of the most annoying people. I believe I was like dancing around. I was just out of my fucking mind. Like (laughs) The best. (laughs) No, but I feel like it was one of those things too, where it was LA, no one really got me. And then, you know, when you bomb and you don't want to leave the stage because you're like, I can still get him. Like I got two more minutes. (laughs) I'm going to rope him in. And I pray that you were like in the back being cool and you didn't see that, but you did something hilarious, which is you had a plate. Oh, no. I think about it all the time. It is actually, and I don't, I have a horrible memory. I think about this so much because it was so funny. You just had a plate and you had a piece of pie on it and you just ate, you just were eating no. pie and you were cracking yourself up. It was no. people were like, what is this? but no, but it was so funny. And you were like eating it and trying to tell jokes with like a mouthful of pie and clearly dying laughing at yourself. And I have to say, I'm like really getting happy thinking about it. It was just but to me, it was so authentically you. I'm like, oh my God, that's, it's genius. You were hilarious. That's all. Okay. I don't remember that at all. Thank you for saying that. Are you sure it was me? I could yeah, definitely picture you. myself doing it. I really want to know it was what kind of pie you. it was. I'm going to say that the genesis of doing that 
based also on you describing your set was that the room was not good. And I was like, fuck this room. I'm going to go eat pie and just do whatever, not put pressure on myself to try to do something because I was pissed off. Also, that's probably just what I was doing. at that point. It's the only in thing time. I remember. I have two feelings when I remember that night. I swear. My feel one feeling was me like <sighs> Michigan J Frog kicking my legs up like, please like me, like so sad. <laughs> like truly, why do I do this? And then you eating that pie, it stayed with me. Okay, let's star fuck for a minute. Famous yes. is the book. Famous is the yes. book. Beautiful cover, by the way. You look stunned. Thank you. It's just it's fab. Now, when you were young, because for me, I loved celebrity. Like I really grew up. I don't know. I liked movies. I liked famous people. And I was always in a bit of the gossip. Were you like that at all or not so much? A little bit. I think I didn't fully embrace it because I didn't think it was for me. But definitely, you know, my mom always had the People magazine. I, You know, at, at that time, it was like Entertainment Tonight. It was, oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I was into it. I was into like... Sybil Shepard and Bruce Willis pre, uh, you know, Die Hard even. Moonlighting. Right? Yeah. I was into... Moonlighting. I was into Whoopi Goldberg's One Woman Show. Uh, so I... Yeah, I'm trying to remember who were my celebrity people back then. Who did you love when you were growing up? Well, my first crush was Alf, and that's something I have said before. Uh, um, and then, <laughs> I love a celebrity like Alf. Heard of him? Oh, I have Alf. a story in my book about auditioning yes. for a Meredith Baxter Bernie pilot. Ooh, and this, and that's a reference from my childhood. You're younger than me, but you, I, if you remember, was she on Family um, Ties? Yeah, she was the mom on Family Ties. So when What's I was so growing funny, up. By the way, sorry that the yes, second please. crush was Michael J. Fox. And I literally was about to say Michael J. Fox. No, continue. Meredith Baxter Love. We're, okay, yes. we're on the same page. So I yes. think my crush was Meredith Baxter Bernie. What's up? Uh, no, oh, well. she, that show, she was like the mom figure, the blonde mom, cool mom. And when I moved to L.A., I didn't know what a manager was, but I somehow had, I was hip pocketed by the junior manager at the management company. The manager's assistant drove me to the audition because I didn't have a car. It was the part of a nervous secretary. The first audition, I used my nerve. I was that nervous and I used it to comedic effect. And I was like, all right, girl, like you did that. They said, we loved it. We're going to take you to producers. I didn't know what that was. I went to producers. She was in the room and I... I'm I'm describing, I wrote about it in the book, but I lost my mind. Like I blacked out. I started to hear like a high pitch because I was like, oh, just do the same thing that you did for the first audition. But I couldn't manage the nervousness and it just went over a threshold. And I remember seeing her face like feeling bad for me because she saw me going and not able to bring myself back. And I just lost my shit in the room and did not get the part obviously i could barely even speak but oh no um, have you seen her since no i only saw her oprah where she ended up um being with a woman later in life yes her story is so sweet because she had like that abusive relation not that part is not 
but the way that it turned out so sweet, I'm so happy for her. But like she kept it a secret for so many years. She was in this like terrible relationship that she didn't even realize how bad it was until years into it and then got herself out of it and now is just happy and like living a sweet life. I'm looking at pictures of her. I mean, she looks fab. I see the wife, I assume. Right. Nancy Locke. Can I say something? I would trust them with all of my financials. That's what I'm saying. I would That's give them all saying. of my bank information. They should just de- like seriously anything. And also I would take all of their tennis commentary. And that's what I mean Banking by sweet. Like not condescending. Isn't that sweet? But like truly just, no, no. I saw her on Oprah. This was years ago. And it was just like, oh, like Aww. she found a sweetness in her life that she was able to go Aww. through that and come out of it and f- find like real love later in life with their partners. Oh. Love is I mean, real. I feel like you should go to Palm Springs and find them. <laughs> I need you. I need you guys. Maybe we should do it on a midnight snack. Let's have uh, Marilyn Rice Cub and Meredith, three named ladies, and a Meredith Baxter Bernie reunion right here. Yes. I think we can set it up. I'm but serious. I bet she dropped her name, be- her second name, because that was her ex-husband who was oh, terrible. Oh, was it? I didn't know that she had that sad backstory, actually. Oh, I see him here. Yeah. David Let me Bernie. see. Like, if what you Google her shit. now, Let's does see. it? I'm looking at she him. She just call herself. He dead? He's not. Well, he's 82. Fuck Ooh. him. I hate him. Um, okay. Sure, so Baxter. wait, her real last, does she, does she go by Meredith? I'm looking. I think, I think he was Meredith Bernie. Baxter now. Meredith yeah, Baxter. He was Bernie. Okay. All okay. the Bernies are bad, except for maybe um, Sanders. You like a Bernie Sanders. Oh, I you love do a like Bernie, a Bernie Sanders. Yeah, I knew you did. Of course. I knew you did. I Come interviewed on, him now. on The View um, when I was on it for seven and a half seconds. And all I remember is that he had, when he breathed on me, the, the camera cut to me and I was a human coffee bean. Like he had the most coffee laden. <laughs> His breath was like when they dumped the bottom part of the Dunkin' Donuts tray out, like at the end of the day. I mean, he had such bad coffee breath. I was like, okay, that's a true story. All right. But he was nice. He was very, very nice. And God bless him. Um, Okay, wait, back to the book. Let's sell the books. Okay, so Meredith Baxter, you didn't get the part. But then you fell in with all these incredible, obviously, you know, alt comics. Yes. But there's a story. I mean, first of all, you worked with Kiefer, who... Yes. Honest answer, and we can... Did you write about your experience working on 24? Yes and no. I I touched on it a little bit. I tell a couple anecdotal stories. I mean, honestly, if you're looking for like the juice on like what really happened on set, this is not that book. My Life at the Edge of Stardom. I do do. I do have a lot of celebrity moments that are fun and juicy, but it's not like I don't get into like this was the shit that went down. Um, I don't know. I do have some good fun stories, but it's mostly is like my personal ins and outs and how it's, it's mostly personal essays about epiphanies and stuff like that. But certainly I talk about having to do the morning, um, what do you call those things? Syndication where you put the thing in your ear and you're like, hi, for 24, like six in the morning, the night before Kiefer had headbutted some guy and I didn't know. So I went live on the air. And what do you think? Every single interviewer. And I was like, I had to like on the spot be like, <laughs> uh, yes, of course I support him headbutting another. Like, <laughs> like so I talk that about stuff hilarious. like that yeah. in the book. And I talk about um, him helping me act on set. Um, but yeah, there, I mean, 
if I'm being honest, there's a lot of, it, 24 was a major part of my life. Obviously, that was the longest running, the most massive success. And we were like a family. And there's honestly a, a lot of stuff I don't know about him. I write about this in the book. I try to keep my distance for as much as people thought we were best. Not that he wasn't a nice guy, but I was like, I don't want to fuck up. I was a little intimidated by him. Which is weird because he is a sweetheart, but in some ways yeah. I'm like, I'm still wary of him. <laughs> I don't know no, he, what I that is. I interviewed him and I get it. He's, and by the way, he looks almost exactly like my dad, strangely, but I, um, I don't know why I decided to choose this moment to say it, but it's just I think for me, like when I met him, I know just the fact that he looks so much like my dad, you're like, what? nobody came in and it was early in the morning and I'm not going to guess that he had headbutted someone the night before, but it wouldn't have shocked me if you would have told me the night before I met him that that had happened, but He's he was very like, lovely. I, I mean, say. Yeah. I could, in a way I could put him in the Meredith Baxter Bernie where it's like, oh. He was like a major star. He's an old school movie star. And I think that's part of my, and maybe I'm starting to change a little bit because as you get older, you're like, I don't give a F. But I think I will always be that Midwestern, like, I'm just afraid someone's going to kick me out of the place, you know, yeah. that I don't belong there and that I'm trying to do my best um, and that, the intersection of he and I was is so fascinating to me that 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 relationship came across like it did. Uh, obviously, it was written like that, but it wasn't. It was very organic. I I, I talk mm-hmm. about that in the book too. Just how I started on the show and. I was annoying. Like people didn't like my character and I signed on for four episodes. They'd be like, okay, you want to do another two? You want to do four episodes? And it was like that for a couple of years because I just Mm -hmm. thought I'm the annoying computer tech. That's like, I'm going to get fired soon. And then it turned and that's what gave my character complexity because they, they started writing me loyal towards Jack. So then it became this uncommon friendship. And I think that's part of it is maybe like our differences in background and there's similarities too. Like at the end mm-hmm. of the day, he's like a Canadian dude. Like he's, you know, he's a regular guy in, in some ways, but in a lot of ways, it's like, he's a freaking movie star in a family movie of star movie father. stars. Yeah. I'll and that's, Donald. Ugh. so, you know, I think we just like grounded each other in a way like maybe he brought me up and I brought him to the to a you want to go do a shift at Panera Bread you know like I I I bring that kind of uh soup and a bread bowl girl is that what y'all were doing after 24 you know I'm like mixing the ranch dressing in the back I'm like I got you scooping he's scooping all the loaves (laughs) but we have a similar sort of grittiness but like completely different life experiences you know a hundred percent. I feel like And I think he had like a lot yeah. of pressure on him to carry that show. So I was like, I mm. I'm not gonna be the person that gets in the way of this like massive, you know, show that's a huge hit. I was just like, let me just try to not mess this up. 
Yeah, get get those union checks, I say. <laughs> I mean, I was on I was on a show, this is hilarious, called The Family with um oh, what's her name who I love? Joan Allen. And but I was not I was in a scene with Joy Behar, similar acting legends, LOL. But anyway, um I had one line where I was just like, Oh, what's this? Like we were playing ourselves. Every month I get a check for ten cents. And I, I wait for it like a dog waiting for the mailman. I'm like, my check here? Like I get so excited. It's the only thing I've ever acted in and uh, and one of the reasons being going back to your Meredith Bernie story is choking on auditions like just going in the room really and getting so beyond because I have a horrible memory so I get so caught up in the lines and you know what I mean it's just I don't do the work like Ooh. I'm like listen I'm just not yeah lazy. we got a lot of projects for you upcoming we got your book we got your comedy club appearances we've oh, got yeah. your auditions that we're gonna prep you for you're gonna come overcome all these hurdles in 2022 so nice. does your dog want to manage me I know he left the room the moment <laughs> he saw my face but I would very love, handsome he's so cute Oh, he's so sweet. He's a charmer. You know, he's going to charm the room and get you in the right position to get you seen. <laughs> um, he he said, looks like the kind of dog who presses his body into your legs. Ooh, you, know you know he does. I, mean? I love that. That's my Well, he also thing. like oh. knocks me down uh, That's so cute. out of excitement. Um, but, you know, if you look at what you're doing, you were ahead of the game. Who knew it with radio and podcasts? That's well, the name of the oh my game God. now. I won the lottery. I don't want to jinx myself because, you know, of my enemies, but I won the lottery when it comes to, uh, <laughs> when it co- no, serious in here. It's it, like, who knew exactly four years so ago good. that I could continue working. It's seriously a gift. Wait, talk to me for two minutes about your life. Forget work. You're not made up of your work. You have a son. Yes. Uh, what's your life like daily? Are you single? I know you talk about dating a little bit. You're not. You're making a face to me. Are you married? I feel I'm like talking. I'm your divorced. Story? It's all in the book. That stuff is all in the book too. I am divorced. I went. I moved during COVID. I'm single. I've dated very little. It's it's kind of a disaster. I went on the apps. Very little. And- disaster apps oh well you're in la obviously but people swear by it. it's like a way of life now yeah i'm in la dating in la is arguably it's like dating in a cemetery for me because i'm just like well who am i digging up today like there's no i don't know how to put it it's just hard <laughs> i don't know if that even makes sense but like it's just well, which corpse am i gonna meet tonight like it, oh, you know there's shit. just who am i was digging the one, up today i really Michelle mean it in, the, in a bad way Collins. like if you're not that L.A., I don't know. There's just a vibe in L.A., which was hard for me. I dated a guy who lived in a place called Walnut. Have you been there? It's near Ontario, the airport. Ontario. Oh. Anyway, his name was Dave. I called him Walnut Dave. And he had a Caesar haircut. He sort of looked like a penis. And he would always bring over pineapple juice. I was like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Like, this is what this was my life. So I left L.A. So I don't envy you. And but the apps are the way to go. Why did he, what's with the pineapple juice? I don't even want to think about it. And in fact, I refuse to, because I'm a lady and okay. I won't. But tell me this, <laughs> were you on Raya? Um, I think I, I you're hitting on everything you, I talk about in the book. I think I talk about see? trying to, it took me so long to get on Raya. I, I had to be approved and I was like, kill me. You want me to be approved so that I can pay you to help me find someone. What's wrong with this picture? I'm already in a vulnerable position and you're just going to put me through these hoops. And then the people I had to be approved by were like 
friends of mine. And then once I got on there, a guy that I was trying to distance myself from who in real life was like hedging to ask me out. And I was like, uh, and I didn't know how to like, I should have just been like, we're just friends. I I don't know. I hedged out of it. And while I was hedging, the first person I see on there is him. The second person I see is an ex-boyfriend. I was like, thanks Raya. I'm going to say, and that was it. And then I went out of there. Wow. Those were the only two. Well, then the industry is so small too. And like, you know, I have my age on it set from like 18, like to a hundred. Cause I just like to see like who's on, you know what I mean? So I got these guys who are 20 and genuinely they look like I squeezed them out of my body. I mean, I look like their mother. I'm like, I can't, I mean, it's, it's scary to me. Sometimes I see these guys, but hinge is the one you should get on hinge. Is really? The one that, Are you serious? I know. I feel like you're like not believing me. And also I, I forget you've no, famous I, people I don't know think, you. I don't so. know if I can do it. Hinge, I know, but why? then where else are you going to go? Okay. What is your experience? What are you doing? Like a lot of, I leave you, the country. I leave the country. To I, date? Have, I left America. Mm. Yes. Are you there I'm full time? No. Um, and every, I don't know when I'm coming back. Strangers DM me. When are you back? I'm like, what, why do you need to know? Like, I'm curious, but yeah, I went, I'm in Italy now. I'm actually in Florence, but I go are you I doing know, podcasting. Get out Look there, at girl. Ceiling. Oh yes. I, know. I love I know. Florence. But Italians are, Florence is beautiful. Italian men are very interesting. It's Mediterranean vibes. Like I could genuinely not have a voice box. They wouldn't notice. I could be like those people in the, you know, PSAs who are like, don't smoke. You know what I mean? (laughs) Like just a big hole. They'd be like, whatever. (laughs) They just don't care. I'm like, okay. Um, England. You should go to England. Oh boy. Take your son to England. The look I'm getting is shocking. (laughs) LA is hard. LA is hard, but you'll do it. You're adorable. You're so successful. You're funny. Would you date a comedian? Comedians are the worst. It's tough. Uh, well, Shrugged. it's because then you get to the point where how do I not date a comedian? Well, that's the problem. That's why you need to go and hinge. They have men who work at banks and doctors. I don't know why I'm saying that. I actually don't give a <laughs> shit about jobs. It's so funny that I'm saying that because the thing I care about least is like what a guy does genuinely. But um, no, but they have like other professions, grave diggers, all kinds of stuff. It's fabulous. They dig up the people for you to date. Yes. You date both of them. We're Polly. You like, date the you widows mind? that are mourning. You date the oh everybody dug up. You <laughs> date the grave digger. My move is I lift the veil and then I make eye contact. It works every time. <laughs> One single tear. <laughs> um, um, okay, so you talk about dating, and you talk about celebs. It's called famish. But for those listening, and I feel like if people listening haven't already gone and bought the book, like what is actually wrong with you? Because I'm it's called Famish, I really mean it. the book. Google it. Famous. I'm so Google excited. It. And you're like, this is the first appearance I've done promoting it because it's still in you're pre-order kidding. period. Yeah, it's so exciting. Oh, my God. I didn't know that. That's exciting. Mm-hmm. Ah. Well, I wish we had a special guest. We have nobody. I have no connections. I have nobody for you. Come on. Just surprise you. What with? if you're like, and he's also on Raya, <laughs> Owen Wilson, come over here. Would you like? Oh, to- how many times that I've he's seen Owen Italy. Wilson's face? Oh my God. That Owen- I heard a funny story about Owen. It's so funny. I'm telling you, we have psychic moments. Um, I had drinks with a friend of mine in Rome yesterday. I know that I'm a piece of shit. Can I just open? I should. The name of the episode should be, I know I'm a piece of I'm shit. I'm so jealous. I wish I was there with you. I know. And I'm really fun. Like I really, but I'm COVID safe. Hold on. 
You have to share your just, password. Because you just, you, you work from the waist down. You're, is that what yes. COVID safe? <laughs> Glory holes. So safe. You have no idea how safe it is. Um, anyway, I went to drinks yesterday with a friend of mine from 100 years ago. And he was telling me that he went to this bar that we were at. And Owen Wilson was there. And I guess his friend, like, went up to get a picture, which is on such a no-no. Like... Of course you're going to get yelled at. And I'm right. on Owen's side, by the way. And right. Owen went, respect me. And he yelled, respect me, respect me. And honestly, like, I kind of get it. Like, just what? Well, I don't know. It's a Damn. little strange. But he's got some things. I'm, I've always loved him. He just came Owen out with it, the respect me like that? Second time, he, she went, can I get a picture? He went, I'm really not in the mood. And then she goes, please. And he went, respect me. And I'm like, the bitch should have. Sorry. That's baller. That's next level. He's like, I'm mm. not even playing. I'm not even gonna. Mm-hmm. I don't care what your perception of it. me is. Well, listen, MLR, MC, MLR, your gift to the world. Um, I'm so thrilled that uh, this book is going to be in everyone's home come May 2022. Everyone has to go order it. Do you care where they get it? Are you like, oh, go to the small shops? I'd be like, just get it anywhere. Amazon, who cares at this point? But I'm, I'm a piece of shit. My publisher is Abrams. If you want to pre-order for a signed copy, you can go to Abrams. Oh, I was going to ask you about that, actually. Are you worried about getting um, cramps in your hand with all the signatures? I like the way you work. It might. I might have to start signing with my left hand because I'm going to be yes. signing so many copies. I'm, did you work on your signature where it's just like a line? You're like, here. Mine has a lot of loops in it. There's a lot of letters. Mine too. It's going to be Ugh. so tiring. I'm going to have to take breaks and come back. I'm going to have to fly to Florence, have <laughs> sip some limoncello with you. Oh my God. We would have the best time in Florence. And I have to say that I've been here. I've like met locals. I've met police officers here. And it's not like an American. Like I want to come and you show me all the things. I'm sure you they know. They would love you here they love americans only thing you have to be careful unless you want this is that every italian man all they want to do is fuck american women here like anywhere you go i'm i need that i need that i'm starting to dream about it i'm starting to dream about sex and then i wake up and i'm like you probably have to have sex (laughs) the dog is looking at you like uncomfortable (laughs) oh what's his name leo Oh, Leo. That's my brother's name. Leo. If you bring Leo to Florence, we will own this town in two weeks. I'm not just saying this. You don't believe me. Get him on a plane. Whatever Let me you got to do. This for real. Go on. He's 80 pounds. Okay. I'm not, I can't put him under in the plane. Can I, I buy him his own seat? If and you, he sits up like a gentleman. I put a necktie on him <laughs> at the table. He has a little meal. They I bring just, him like a tray, but it's full of kibble. Um, would I just I buy a separate a seat on the plane? Listen to me. If you get a vest for him, do you know what I mean? Not like a, not a David Blaine vest, like a service animal vest. And also a David Blaine vest. <laughs> yeah, and a pocket watch. They'll let him on. What if I submerge him in water and I'm like, this dog... <laughs> is chained to himself. He needs to get to Florence. Listen, I could stay here with you all day, but uh, people have places to go. Thank you for having me. Marilyn Lynn Rice Cub, the book is called Famish, My Life at the Edge of Stardom. Uh, pre-order it now and also follow her, Marilyn Lynn Rice Cub on Twitter, on Instagram, and also your tour. Wait, I want people to come see you perform on tour. All the dates are on there. I'm going everywhere, except for... Everywhere. It's like when you post the 30 cities and the person's like, what about? (laughs) (laughs) 
looks like a penguin on a glacier. Like, what about Butte, Montana? I'm like, fuck, I'm trying. She's not trying. Colorado, Florida, Illinois, Georgia. (gasps) Ooh. Yeah, I would say so. Go to MarylynRiceCup.com to find the dates. And also just, yeah, I'm obsessed with you. Like next time we're in the same city, let's hang out. Yes, please. I would love that. Genuinely. Can you come Uh, help me dig up some bodies in L.A. to date? Listen, I don't work out and look at these arms. It's not from exercise, honey. Digging. Okay, digging, babe. In the dirt, out the dirt. You have have a whole thing for it. So, yes. Um, And guys, thank you for listening. Midnight Snack. I'm Michelle Collins at Mish Call. If you, I hate doing this part. I feel so professional. At Mish Call. If you want to follow, give us a like, subscribe, review, give a five star review. Do you know what I mean? It would be nice. But do whatever you want. Um, Mary, adore you. Guys, we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Midnight Snack is an Earwolf production, executive produced by me, Michelle Collins. Our producer is Anita Flores, and our sound engineer is Sam Kiefer. Special thanks to my friend Dan Acton. You can listen to our ad-free episodes on Stitcher Premium. For a free one-month trial, use the code SNACK. Please rate and review Midnight Snack and follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen. You can follow us on Twitter at MNightSnackPod. That's M-N-I-G-H-T-S-N-A-C-K-P-O-D. I love spelling. Midnight Snackers, we would love to hear from you. Send us your feedback, questions, or topics we should chat about. You can leave us a voicemail on our party line at 331-901-0005 or drop us a line at midnightsnack at earwolf.com. For more of me, tune into The Michelle Collins Show live weekday mornings from 7 a.m. Eastern Time on Radio Andy, Sirius XM 102, and on the Sirius XM app. You can also follow me on Twitter and on Instagram at Mishkoll, M-I-C-H-C-O-L-L. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com. 
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. And that's the episode. We hope you loved it. Again, if you want to hear this show every single day, go to www.patreon.com slash mishcall. M-I-C-H-C-O-L-L. You can also follow me on Instagram, X, TikTok, all the things. Mishkal, M-I-C-H-C-O-L-L. I'm running myself into the ground for content and I want you to be a part of it. So we'll see you over there. And thanks again for joining us. Bye, guys.